welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. to stand up here this morning and deliver the message for you at our 9.30 service. If you did not know, my name is Pastor Gabby, and I'm the youth pastor here at the Shakopee campus. Uh, My husband, as you just saw, is Shane O'Rourke. He is the associate kids pastor here at this campus, and we love being planted in this house and in this church. And I am so thankful and blessed to be within a church and under leadership that wants to empower young leaders and spur them on and to push them into all that God has for them. And so this morning, I get to preach at this service, and then I get to cheer on Pastor Aaron and Pastor Hannah as they preach at the next two. But a little bit about myself, as I said, I am the youth pastor here, and so I get to work with our teenagers every Wednesday night, and it is a blast. They keep things fun, upbeat, interesting. It's always a party at youth on Wednesday nights, and I absolutely love it. The best is truly yet to come for the Shakopee campus within youth and our youth ministry as a whole. And then my husband, Shane, works with our kids, so he owns kindergarten through sixth grade. I get to own sixth through twelfth grade, and we love getting to be a part of the next generation. We got married a little less than a year ago. September 25th will be one year. So yeah, you can celebrate that. We are excited for that. And this year has been a blast. Shane um, made a joke that I have the privilege of being married to him. I truly do. I am living the blessed life, the best life being married to him. I absolutely love it. And we actually met at a young age. I was eight years old. He was 10 and he lived right down the street from me. I was best friends with his sister. I actually have a vivid memory. When I was like eight years old, we were at a birthday party together and I asked him if he wanted to race because I almost guaranteed that I could beat him in a race to like this inflatable and back. I lost obviously, but I have memories of him when we were eight, 10, 11, 12 years old. And then we went to the same church, which is Southbridge Community Church. That was Pastor Darren Poley's church plant at the time, which then became the Savage Campus of River Valley and now the Shakopee Campus. So we truly are products of this house. Pastor Chris and Hannah were our youth pastors. They got to watch us um, get together, break up, get together, break up, and all the relationship drama that comes with high school and college students. Praise the Lord that we are now married and that is done and over with. But Chris and Hannah were our youth pastors, and I think that's why Shane and I are so passionate about the next generation. God grabbed a hold of our heart at a young age, and so we consider it the greatest joy and honor to watch him do the same in young people and then launch them into their purpose. And so 
As you can see, we were immersed in the life of the church early on. And my parents were good friends with a lot of people within this church and with different pastors. And so here and there, we would have people over for dinner. We would grill out, just hang out, have a blast together as a church family. And I remember specifically one night where we had a church barbecue at our house with just some close family friends and then some pastors. And there was a specific pastor from this church that was there that night. And me and all of my friends, my six seventh, eighth grade friends, we were out on my screened in porch eating our dinner. And we were being, you know, the cool kids where you had to be out in your own area, separate spot. And we are on my porch with the sliding glass door shut. And we're just hanging out, chatting with one another. And the adults were in the kitchen grabbing their food. And as they grabbed their food, they had to walk out of the porch. They had to open the sliding glass door through the porch and onto our deck where they were all going to eat together. And this specific pastor from our church who still works here, he grabbed his food, loads his plate up with his brats, chips, salad, the whole bit, turns and starts walking onto our porch. But because he isn't looking at what's in front of him, he's looking past us onto the deck. He doesn't see the sliding glass door that is directly in front of him. And he walked straight into it, smacked his head on the sliding glass door. Me and all my friends erupt in laughter, just shamelessly start laughing and we are losing it. And let me tell you, there's nothing worse than embarrassing yourself in front of teenagers because they will laugh at you. They will hold nothing back. Trust me, I walk through this on a weekly basis. And so he smacks his head on the sliding glass door, has to suck up his embarrassment, open the door, say sorry, and then walk out onto our deck. And I still remember it to this day. It was not Pastor Chris and it was not Pastor Darren. So you can push those thoughts out of your head. It was a different pastor. I should really go find him and apologize for just laughing hysterically at him. But I really think that this happens to us more often than we think in life. And I'm not talking about physically smacking our head on a sliding glass door. Well, we have all been there, done that, or walked through a screened indoor. I'm talking about metaphorical doors within our life that God will place in front of us, doors of opportunity or next steps. But because we're so busy looking down at just our busy day-to-day life or because we're looking past it or trying to avoid it, we find ourselves hitting our heads against the same wall and the same door over and over and over again. When in reality, what God is asking us to do is to look up at him, see the door presented before us, open it, and walk through it. And we make decisions every single day in life. And it could be as superficial as Starbucks or Caribou, Smashburger or Five Guys. I make those decisions almost daily or on a weekly basis. Or they could be a bit more serious, like where should we send our kids to school? Should we move to this house or that house, move to this city or that? Should I take this risk within my workplace or within my job, move my family here? We make decisions every single day. For many of us in this room, we have already made some of the greatest decisions that we will ever make in our life. Where are we going to go to college? Where are we going to move to? Where are we going to put our resume in to work? When are we going to start a family? How many kids do we want to have? Once you have kids, you're making a lot of decisions every single day with them that are important. You're making the decision of who you will marry. A lot of us in this room have already made that decision. Praise the Lord that I made the right decision with that one and walked through the right 
door. And when it came to me and my decision of who should I marry, as I kind of made a joke earlier, Shane and I were on and off again and on and off again. And there was all this get together, break up drama with us. But when it finally came to us stepping through the door of saying, okay, we're going to step into a serious relationship with intentionality, I had to choose to open up that door and walk through it. And let me tell you, that is the most important decision that I have made to date. And there was some fear involved with that, not because of who Shane was, but because we had just gone back and forth a couple times that my heart, while I liked him and was interested in him, I was afraid to open myself up to the possibility of falling in love with him. And I remember getting together with Pastor Chris and Hannah for lunch, telling them that Shane and I had grabbed coffee. We had had our DTR talk to find the relationship talk. Um, and then he left to do a mission trip to Haiti. And while he was gone, I got together with Pastor Chris and Hannah and I said, I don't know if I'm making the right decision. I like him but there's some fear, there's some doubt for me to open up my heart and walk through that door. And I remember Chris asking me, well, Gabby, why do you like him? Like, why do you like him? Why do you want to go on dates with him? And the first two things that came into my head were his character and the calling that God had on his life. And I remember Pastor Chris just telling me, when all else fades away, that is what will remain. And so I made the decision. I said, okay, God, I'm going to push fear to the side, any doubt to the side, any thoughts of what ifs or what could be's in a negative way, and open up this door in front of me and walk through it. And I am so thankful that I did. It was the best decision and most important decision I have made so far. But these decisions we make, these doors of opportunity that we have to walk through, they're sometimes difficult and they're not easy and they're not always simple. They can be confusing. It can be stressful. And instead of walking through the door in front of us, we can stand back paralyzed in fear or doubt or nerves and we wait for the door to come to us. Or there can be moments where there are multiple doors presented in before us. And our question is, how do I know what the right door is to walk through? I see all of these options, all of these possibilities. What if I open up and walk through the wrong one? I even remember being in high school and as I was about to graduate, asking myself, what door should I walk through with the college that I go to? What's the right choice? Do I play soccer? Do I go into ministry? What does God have for me? And my question this morning, church, is what doors are you walking through in life? And how do you know that you are walking through the right doors? How do you know that you're walking through the right doors? And God actually answers this question, and he answers it very simply. He just says a simple statement when we ask the question, God, what doors should I walk through? And in Acts 10, he says this, nothing could be plainer. Nothing could be plainer in regards to the doors that we are supposed to walk through. And I look at that and I go, how frustrating, how confusing, because God, to me, it's not plain as day. It's not simple. The doors that you've placed in front of me to walk through, there's stress involved. There's fear involved. There is some confusion and some doubt if I'm walking through the right door. So how can you tell me that these doors of decisions are plain as day, that nothing could be plainer in regards to the steps I should take and the doors that I should walk through. But church, we have to remember while that it might be confusing 
and stressful and difficult for us, it's clear to God because he has laid out our entire life before us. Every single moment of every single day and he knows the doors we should walk through. He knows the next steps and decisions that we need to make and as we trust in him and take our eyes off of the busyness of life or looking past the doors in front of us or trying to avoid it all together, the door that we're supposed to walk through becomes clear. And in Matthew 6, 28 through 29, it says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And worry can consume us. It can fill our thought life. But let me tell you, we don't need to worry about the doors that God has placed in front of us and what next steps we need to take and what doors we need to walk through. God knows. He takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes care of all of creation. And how much more does he love us, his sons and his daughters? And as we trust in God, he makes those plain as day doors clear to us. And I believe that this morning, church, I have an expectant heart for all that God is going to do. And that while we might be sitting here with some confusion or fear or doubt with what our next steps are, that this morning faith is going to rise up. A trust in God is going to rise up and we are going to begin stepping out instead of stepping back in doubt or paralyzed by the what could be's in a negative way of the next steps that we take. And when God says that nothing could be plainer, these words are actually spoken out of Peter in Acts 10, 34 through 35. And Peter says, he actually fairly explodes with his good news. And he says, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The door is open. And let me tell you, church, this morning, if you want God and are ready to do as he says, your next step, the door that he has for you to walk through, it's open. And this morning, we simply need to walk through it. And there are everyday doors and plain as day doors in our lives. Which ones are you walking through? Which ones are you walking through? In Acts 10, 34 through 35, Peter is able to put this so simply and so clearly in very plain terms because he has actually walked through a whole scenario and situation that was confusing for him where he had to take a step of faith and a step of obedience. But as soon as he did that, his eyes were open to see what God was doing. And the story actually begins in verse one of Acts chapter 10. And it begins with a man named Cornelius from Caesarea. And Cornelius was a God-fearing man. And as he is praying and worshiping, an angel of the Lord comes to him and tells him to go to the city of Joppa, which was a neighboring coastal city, and go and get Peter. And so as he is sending men on their way, he sends three men to go and get Peter from Joppa. Meanwhile, Peter is on his housetop praying and worshiping when he becomes hungry. Don't you hate when that happens? When you are spending time with the Lord or you're at church in worship or listening to a message, maybe right now, and you become hungry. 
And instead of thinking about what God wants to speak and all that the Holy Spirit is stirring, you are thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch, what restaurant you're going to go to. But I love that Peter gets hungry and starts thinking about food instead of the voice of the Lord because it just makes him so relatable. We have all been there and done that. It happens to me frequently. But while he is sitting there waiting to go and get something to eat, no longer praying and worshiping, God interrupts him. God interrupts him and God speaks to Peter a vision, something that clearly contradicts Peter's culture at the time. It completely contradicts cultural norms of Jewish people at that time. And in Acts 10, 10 through 15, we get to read about the vision that God gave Peter. And it says, and he became hungry, being Peter, and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. In other words, he had a vision. And he saw the heavens opened and something like a sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and there came a voice from heaven. Or they came, there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice of the Lord came again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken at once to heaven. And we read that, and that is weird and confusing. And we don't totally understand what God is doing here and what he's speaking. Peter's seeing all these animals being told to kill and eat. And we read that, and we go, God, that's kind of weird. I don't really understand exactly what you're saying here. But what God was saying was powerful because God was actually speaking to a cultural norm that Peter had taken on as truth. And he's trying to rip down this barrier in Peter's heart in regards to the law of clean versus unclean, which we read about in the Old Testament. And I think that this is very normal for us, where we are just busy in our day-to-day life, used to just the American culture and living our life how we live it, that we can take on cultural norms that we project as truth onto the word of God that actually don't align with the word of God at all, but they just become something that we're used to, that we see every single day and we don't recognize that God is maybe trying to pick up our eyes and see a greater picture before us. And this is what God does to Peter. He opens his eyes to see a greater picture before him because he's speaking to the law of clean versus unclean, which is laid out in Deuteronomy 14, three through 20. When God commands Israel to not eat any detestable thing, and then he names off various animals that they're not to consume. And this dietary law actually became a main cultural barrier between the Gentile and Jewish people. So much so that these people groups really didn't associate with one another. And even then, in Mark 7, 15, Jesus says, There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him. Those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And so God gives Peter this vision which aligns with Jesus' word, breaking down a cultural norm that Peter has taken on as truth. And I love that God has to reveal this vision to Peter three times. Three times before he actually gets it. And after three times of seeing this vision, the men that Cornelius had sent earlier, all the way in verse one, arrive on the scene in Joppa. And this is what I love about it, is that the three men that arrive on the scene are Gentiles. The exact people group that God is trying to break down barriers with in Peter's heart. 
And so Peter invites them in, he lodges with them, and then he goes and travels with them to Caesarea. And in Caesarea, he ministers to the Gentile people. And it is there that he explodes with this good news of God's truth that nothing could be plainer. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. If you are ready to do as God says, the door is open. The door is open and there are everyday doors that we walk through in our life, such as what we will eat, what we will wear, where will we go today? Even then, some of the bigger decisions, like should we send our kids to school here? Should we move to this city? Should I take this risk within my job? And then there are plain as day doors that we walk through. And these doors are plain as day, but sometimes they're a bit harder for us to see because they've just taken root in our heart. And they're like walking through the doors of deciding to step into salvation, a relationship with Jesus Christ, walking through the doors of forgiveness, restoration with family members or in your marriage, asking God for healing again, getting out of complacency and being stuck in the busyness of life and getting on mission for the things of God. These are plain as day doors that God puts before us. And these plain as day doors have so much more to do with who we are becoming than what we are doing. And let me tell you, church, when you make a decision to walk through the plain as day doors and say, God, I'm gonna let go of things that I've hung onto in my heart that I've just taken on as truth or are normal and I'm gonna give them to you, God forms you and molds you into an image that looks more like him and then the everyday doors of what you are doing naturally fall in line. They naturally fall in line and we need to open up our eyes to see the plain as day doors that God has placed in front of us. For Peter, his everyday door was going to Caesarea, but his plain as day door was allowing God to tear down the walls of prejudice in his heart towards the Gentile people. That's what's going on in this passage. And your plain as day door might be painful to walk through. It might not always be easy, but it brings praise to God. It brings praise to God and it can be painful sometimes to open up our hearts to choose to walk in forgiveness and step through that door or choose to fight for restoration within our family or healing within our own lives or a family member's lives or to get out of complacency and push our comfort zones to the side and step into all that God has for us. And I think it can be hard and painful at moments because these are things that we can hang on to tightly that we want control over, that we want a firm grip on, that God is asking us to release our hand, open up our hearts to him, and allow him to speak into it as we step through that door in faith. I can guarantee that it was hard for Peter to let go of the cultural norm, the, the perspective that he had of the Gentile people. But when he pushed what he just knew as normal to the side, opened up his heart to the Lord and allowed those walls of prejudice to be broken down, it brought praise to God as it opened up the opportunity for him to reveal the truth of God's word to the Gentile world. And church, we need to release our grip on these areas of life, look up at the Father, look up at God and step through the door presented before us. Even if it's difficult, even if it doesn't make sense, knowing that it brings praise to God. And when you're willing to walk through those plain as day doors, the everyday doors will naturally fall into place. 
when you walk through the doors of forgiveness, it might be difficult, but it will set you free and it will set your family free. And that brings praise to God. Asking for restoration within your family or your marriage can be difficult. And you might say, but Pastor Gabby, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the hurt and the pain that has been inflicted upon me. But let me tell you, when you open up your hand and you say, God, I'm asking for restoration. I'm asking for healing within this area. It will bring unity to your family or your marriage and hope to others going through it. And that brings praise and glory to God. In regards to complacency, we can get so busy in our day-to-day life of getting our kids to school, getting to work, grocery shopping, doing this, doing that, that we don't even look up to see the greater picture of what God has for us. But when you choose to get out of just that complacent, comfort zone, busyness of life, God is going to use you to glorify him and he's going to reveal gifts and talents and a purpose that he has placed in you. And I love looking at Peter's life because he can be very much like us. Peter was hard-headed. God had to show him this vision three times before he actually got it. And I can be a lot like that. I can be hard-headed. I can need the Lord to reveal to me things numerous times before I actually get it. Even with my parents, Lord, bless them. Growing up, I was hard-headed. They had to tell me something like five to eight times before I got it. And this can be the same in our walk with God. Even when I graduated high school and as I was deciding, God, what door do you have me or do you want me to walk through? I decided to go and do youth of the mission, which is also called YWAM in Perth, Australia, where I was supposed to spend six months doing three months of a lecture phase and three months of an outreach phase. But due to my hard-headedness and my pride and my entitlement that had just been stored up within me that I took on as normal. I just took it on as normal. I didn't even realize it was there anymore. And so when I went to YWAM, because of that, that caused me to step out of authority with certain decisions that I had made while I was there during my lecture phase, ultimately stepping out of God's authority. And I went there with all these hopes and dreams of God opening up a door for me to immediately step on the mission field. And out of my disobedience, my hard-heartedness, and my pride, God shut that door on me. And I was actually asked to go home from YWAM early. And I came home after three months of a lecture phase, um, just broken down. But it was exactly what I needed because God opened up a plain as day door in front of me for, we, for me to walk through. It took me a couple months to realize it, but I had to walk through the door of releasing and letting go of some pride and entitlement that had been stored up in my heart that God had to speak through, had to speak to. He had to let me or show me how to let go of it and get rid of it before he could launch me into my purpose and the next everyday door that he had for me, which was North Central and interning here at River Valley Church. And your plain as day door is right in front of you, church. And it's time for us to walk through it. It's time for us to walk through it. And it says in the word that if you are ready to do as God says, The door is open. And let me tell you, obedience is what opens your eyes to the open doors that are in front of you. Obedience opens your eyes to see it. Peter even says, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. If you are ready to do as God says, the door is open. Church, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. It doesn't matter if this is your first day at church or if you have been a Christ follower for years. 
It doesn't matter what your family background looks like, the decisions you have made. It matters if you are ready to do as God says. And if you are ready to be obedient, your eyes will be open to see the open doors that God has placed in front of you. And Peter did not fully understand the door that he was walking through. He asked the Lord numerous times, God, what does this vision mean? But as soon as he invited the men in and went with them to Caesarea, his eyes were open to see the work that God was doing. And there's moments in my life where I simply have to walk through the open door in a step of obedience. And I don't fully see everything on the other side. Growing up, I used to, if I had to call my parents and ask them a question, I wanted to give them 100% of the information. So I'd sit on the phone with them or in person and like blab and blab and blab and talk for five minutes before leading up to asking the question. And I remember my dad one time stopping me and being like, Gabby, stop talking. I only need 80% of the information to make a decision. Just tell me the meat and potatoes of it, 80%. And I think that that's a lot like our walk with God, like our faith steps. We want 100% of the information at times. We want to know exactly how it's all going to play out. Where before we'll open up the door, we want to know everything that's on the other side, how it's all going to mesh and work together. But sometimes we don't have 100% of the information. But we do have 80% of the information. And this is the 80% that I have. That we serve a loving and a faithful God whose plan for our life is far greater than our own. He laid out every single step, every single day, every single moment before us. He loves us. It says in his word that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That he knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And while we might not have the full 100%, we have 80% of the information. And that other 20% is a faith step to say, God, I might not know exactly how this is going to play out. I might not know all the logistics of it, but I have 80% of the information. And that 80%, it's found in your word. So I'm looking up, I'm fixing my eyes on you, and I'm opening up the door in front of me. The plain as day door that involves who I am becoming. And I'm going to release my control in my hand and invite you in to speak into it. Like Peter, he had to invite God and take a step of obedience. And when he took that step of obedience, God opened his eyes to prejudice in his heart towards a people group. And Peter was a devout follower of Christ. He knew the Lord, he knew Jesus, and God still had to open up his eyes to see the work that he was doing. And while obedience opens the door, church, disobedience will shut it. Disobedience will shut it. Disobedience in my life shut that door of youth with a mission. But praise God that God opened up a new door, a plain as day door for me to see the work that he wanted to do in my life. And this morning we get an opportunity to be obedient, to step into the plain as day doors that God has for us. Doors of salvation, doors of forgiveness, doors of healing, doors of restoration. Church, let's look up, let's open up our hearts to God and walk through it this morning. And maybe you're here and you've never walked through the plain as day door of salvation. This is maybe your first day at church, or maybe you've grown up in the church and have kind of known an idea of God for a while, but haven't actually known God in a personal and relational way. And this morning, I wanna give you the opportunity to walk through that clear plain as day door that is standing right in front of you. To open up the handle, push the door open and step through it. 
In Romans, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It also says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And as we talk about this this morning, I would hate to allow an opportunity for you to walk through the most important door you will ever walk through in your entire life to pass us by. And as we give that opportunity in a moment, I'll have you stand up and prayer teams will come down front as we wrap up. And at that point, you can come up and you can pray with a prayer team member. Sometimes it's easiest to walk through those doors in life when somebody is walking through it with you. And there is a church family and a community here this morning ready to walk through those doors with you and pray with you. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're in this room and you have never made a decision to step through the door of salvation, and maybe you feel like your heart is beating a little bit faster, like I am talking directly to you, let me encourage you, that's the Holy Spirit stirring and working and moving. And so without any more time wasted, if you would like to make that decision today, would you very simply slip your hand in the air? Again, every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we make that decision to step through that door this morning, as a church family, can we come around every single person choosing to step out in salvation as a church family? Can we pray this prayer after me together? Dear Jesus, I thank you for the door presented in front of me, the door of salvation, to be in a relationship with you. God, I push fear, I push doubt to the side. Jesus, I ask that you would come into my heart, that you would forgive me of my sins, and that you would make me new. Lord, I'm choosing to be in a relationship with you today. I thank you that you died for me, that you were raised to life so that I could know you. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Make me new. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, would you stand together, church, as we worship for just a couple more moments. Can you lift your hand in a sign of surrender, saying, God, I'm letting go of things I've held on to too tightly. I'm opening up my heart for to you, and I'm stepping through the open door that you have for me. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.